Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hi, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Project Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. We are heading into so many fun things coming up as spring is right around the corner. Our March Cannabis Caucus event series will be in eight cities, and Lobby Days is May 19th through 21st in Washington, D.C., And our Cannabis Business Summit and Expo is taking place June 15th, 16th, and 17th in San Francisco. So lots going on, but first let's stop in, talk with Chris Jackson, my guest today. Uh, He recently was seated on NCIA's Board of Directors for this term and also previously a candidate for Pontiac City Council and State Representative 29th District at his company Indica Sticky. He's a leader of government and legislative affairs, social equity, and serves as its community benefits liaison and social equity lead. Staying busy there. In fact, he also serves on NCIA's state regulations committee and co-chairs our diversity and inclusion subcommittee. Hi, Chris. Thanks for fitting this podcast into your already busy schedule. Oh, of course, Bethany. How are you? I'm doing great. Just, you know, hitting the ground running this year is, and I'm really ready for spring. It was, it was freezing cold in Boston. I'm sure you remember. I do. And it's cold <laughs> here in Colorado still, and I am just over it and ready for the sun to come out. So do me a favor and define cold, right? Because I live in Michigan. Uh, so Colorado <laughs> cold. Uh, it's a dry cold. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Gotcha. So uh, let's get to know you a little bit better. Um, Tell me more about your background, your experience, and and what kinds of things you've done in your your history and career before moving into the cannabis movement and industry. Yeah, and and thank you uh, for having me on the show. And and I I am more than happy to take a couple of minutes out of my day to share some time with you. So uh, Chris Jackson, again, Pontiac, Michigan native. Uh, Pontiac is a Metro Detroit City, uh, so about 30 minutes away from Detroit, but very similar in stature, even though it's much smaller. Uh, I attended college in West Michigan at a small liberal arts school and uh, studied accounting and business management, minored in philosophy. So yeah, you looked at the entire spectrum there. and, um, And so I started working as a professional and had some entrepreneurial pursuits in West Michigan at the time, uh, Grand Rapids uh, was becoming a mecca for entrepreneurship. The DeVos family at the time actually did like a hundred million dollar endowment or something like that specifically for entrepreneurship. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I, I had an opportunity to participate uh, in, in that market for a while. And 
then uh, had political aspirations. And so as a young guy at the time, probably 27, um, was talking with a couple of friends of mine who were all converging back home. And we just had a conversation around what made the most sense. Uh, and, you know, if, if I would make for a good candidate and, you know, if we needed new ideas, uh, we needed millennial representation and um, we needed different skill sets. And so uh, in 2017, ran for uh, city council in the city of Pontiac, as you alluded to in the intro, and then shortly after that ran for state representative. And here we are now uh, in the cannabis industry. So, Gotcha. Okay. So here we are now in the cannabis industry, indeed. <laughs> um, so why, why and how did you make that step in this direction? Yeah, so after a uh, couple of um, quote-unquote unsuccessful attempts at public office, uh, um, there were some, when I say unsuccessful, I mean I didn't win, <laughs> right? Uh, but uh, really close races, like within 40 votes and within like, 100 votes the second time or something like that. Oh, wow. Makes you sick to your stomach sometimes. But but after those uh, unsuccessful attempts, there were some friends who had previously supported my running for office uh, who were in the cannabis industry. And I've always uh, been an advocate for the industry, uh, especially because there were two pillars, if you will, uh, that I still stand on today. and, And those are economic empowerment and criminal justice reform. Uh, And as you know, both of those pillars fit well uh, into the cannabis industry, or at least the advocacy for the cannabis industry as we evolve as an industry. Uh, And and so, you know, I mentioned or I alluded to earlier that I'm an entrepreneur at heart or um, pursued some entrepreneurial endeavors. And so the cannabis industry for me uh, gave me an opportunity to provide some balance, right? I can be an entrepreneur. Uh, in an emerging uh, industry. I missed the I missed the 2000 dot com boom because I was kind of young <laughs> at the time. <laughs> uh, still kick, kicking myself over missing cryptocurrency, but now there's an opportunity in a new emerging industry like cannabis. But there is also uh, this social justice component that without that social component or justice component piece, um, I wouldn't be involved in the industry at all. And so yeah. um, that's really um, how... I found myself a part of the industry. Great. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you have the right skills and the right stuff and, and it was an easy, easy slide into the industry for you. That's amazing. So now uh, you're with Indica Sticky in Michigan. Um, You've got quite a long title. Let's see. Let's go over that again. (laughs) Leader of government and legislative affairs, social equity, and community benefits liaison and social equity lead. Okay, that's a lot. Let's unpack that. What's your day-to-day like? What's going on at Indica Sticky? What's, yeah. What's yes, so, so, uh, so we, we, we do business as Sticky, right? So our, our first store is in Ypsilanti. It's called Sticky Ipsy. Uh, and Cute. our, uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, our, our second store, we just opened up actually in Detroit uh, last week, uh, Sticky Detroit. Congrats. Uh, so, oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, we're, we're a small organization. We, we aren't uh, what you would consider a blue blood organization, right? We didn't have a lot of money uh, prior to coming into the industry and or like corporate relationships, right, that exist. Um, and so we all, in most small businesses, 
this like like a lot of people wear multiple hats right mm -hmm. and so you know, part of the title is really just trying to explain to people um if you need something within these things um this is the person you talk to but you know i'm very much capable of running the store day-to-day -day operation very much capable of doing a project management piece of it uh but for what we need um obviously my running for office uh put me in a position where i have relationships uh, with different levels of government. And mm -hmm. so that's where the government and legislative uh, affairs piece comes from. Uh, so far as social equity lead as an African-American, right, as a black person, uh, person of color, I, you know, it's really important. I told you from a social justice standpoint that um, we're doing our part to be advocates on behalf um, of diversity and inclusion. And so um, I volunteered to take on the social equity piece of what we do, whether it's uh, providing sponsorships and or opportunities for organizations that deal in crim criminal justice reform uh, or helping municipalities put their social equity plan together, right? Because in Michigan, um, cities are very much like individual city states in that they control a lot of what the process is gonna look like within their borders. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last piece is just community outreach. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm from a for instance, I'm from a city similar to Detroit, but you know, how can I go into a city like Detroit and tell them what their needs are, right? Or another city in West Michigan that may not have the same demographic and so we really make it a point to be good neighbors within the community and find out what their needs are and that's the community outreach piece. Awesome, that's great. Yeah, it sounds like it's keeping you busy and uh, in our last minute or so here before we take our commercial break, um, what's happening in NCIA state regulations committee, which you're, you're, you have a seat on that committee as well. What are you up to there? Yeah, so so we're doing a number of things, but particularly uh, we're starting to put out communications and blogs around uh, specifically uh, local relationships with regards to licensing, right? In mm. other words, if you're an individual that's really interested in being in a specific municipality, here are some tips, observations, or opinions about the best way to confront uh, local municipalities uh, and then what that may mean for specific license types like retail, dispensary, um, cultivation process, and micro businesses, you name it. Excellent. I feel like I published a blog recently from the State Regulations Committee. Um, those resources are on NCIA's website, which is thecannabisindustry.org, and committees like the State Regulations Committee do submit educational, helpful blogs from time to time. Absolutely. So definitely check out NCIA's website to find these excellent resources that people like Chris uh, are working alongside other cannabis industry leaders to share this information um, for the greater good of the cannabis industry. Yeah, State Regulations Committee, th there's really good resources like how to make sense of state and local cannabis Absolutely. regulations out there so excellent all right we're gonna uh take our first commercial break and then we'll be right back to chat more with chris jackson stay tuned ncia's cannabis industry voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors candid captivating compelling Welcome to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Welcome Sorry to Cannabis Confidential. Oh, you got me again. All right. I got you again. You got me again. 
Welcome to Cannabis okay. Confidential. Ah! <laughs> Hey, we did it. We did it. Welcome. I have the coolest guest today. You guys already know. The one and only Tommy Chong. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Cannabis Confidential. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany, and we're talking with Chris Jackson from Sticky, based in Michigan. Uh, So, Chris, as as a leader in the industry, you've figured out a few things along the way and some best practices for your company, which you know how to operate as well, um, in how you brand it and how you connect with your customers, with your public liaison roles as well. I'm sure this comes in handy. So I'm curious what you're doing to take it to the next level because people like to say, you know, weeds just sells itself, but is that really true anymore in this new paradigm? I don't, uh, I don't think that it is right there. There's always going to be, and I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later. um, The, the, the part of the market that does say, Hey, I just want to consume and that's it. Uh, But I happen to believe that consumers are becoming more and more sophisticated, right? They're, they're more interested in what they're putting in their bodies. Uh, They're more interested in knowing how it impacts them and what their mood is going to be because of it. And so the, the brand, as you kind of um, uh, alluded to earlier when you uh, made the comment about it being cute, if you will, uh, uh, Sticky, <laughs> right? Sticky is a brand, uh, a name um, that really resonates with the, the smoking culture, right? Mm-hmm. The, the cannabis culture. Um, we're pretty synonymous with hip hop culture more so. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a brand and our goal is to appeal to the quote unquote average customer. Right. Uh, You have some uh, organizations that exist where they want to be 
really high end and there's a, a place for that. Um, but you also have kind of a blue collar uh, market that exists that's uh, the more of the majority, right? Um, that's interested in having you know, fair priced products, but as many options as possible. Mm. And, and so for us, that's really what we've built our brand around or we're continuing to brand, build our brand around. And, and the industry is becoming more brand driven as we speak, right? And you're seeing it in all types of licensing. Uh, you know, Drake just did a deal with um, a company in Canada, Jay-Z with a company uh, in California, San Jose, Seth Rogen, Lil Wayne, right? They, you know, the, the Marley family, right? They all have uh, yeah. their brands that I think is going to really uh, upsell which is what happens a lot in retail in any other industry to begin with. So what you're starting to see is the cannabis market normalized a little bit. Uh, there's an example about fast food that I'll share, and I, I can't remember who I heard it from, but you know, if people will pass up on four or five different restaurants, fast food restaurants that probably have the same food that tastes very similar just to get to the brand that they like the most for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you're going to similarly see the same thing within the cannabis industry, uh, which bodes well for um, individuals that may not be the biggest, um, but have an opportunity to really build a relationship within the community that they exist in. Uh, and that's something that we take pride in is making sure that we're neighbors to the community that we're in uh, so that we're the first choice that people think of within our market. Uh, versus maybe some of our competitors. Awesome. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I think the regulated market has allowed for the consumers to become more sophisticated, mm -hmm. whereas before you just, you kind of got what you got, right? Exactly. And now you can walk into a store and ask questions and having selection and having choice, it really allows the consumer to become more sophisticated, in my opinion. So Absolutely. It's, it's fascinating. So, I mentioned earlier, you were recently elected to NCIA's board of directors. That is awesome. Thank, thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it means it means you're stepping up to serve the industry as, as a greater whole even more. You're getting more involved in NCIA's federal advocacy work. And one of our priority legislation pieces behind the Safe Banking Act, of course, is the MORE Act, M-O-R-E Act. Uh, the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act is what that stands for. Mm -hmm. So let's let's dive into that. Let's chat about that a little bit. Yeah, so the significance behind the Safe Banking Act, which you've discussed previously on your podcast, a um, lot, a lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, exactly. But you know, it's, it was a pathway to actual uh, legislation being passed successfully at the federal level. Right. So it was more, I mean, obviously it has components of it that's really important, but the most important thing, in my opinion, is that it showed a pathway to success for other legislation that's coming down the pipeline. Right. Yeah. Um, and so with the MORE Act in particularly, uh, just a few highlights about it. And we talk about, you know, diversity and inclusion. Right. Uh, or the social equity or making the industry more equitable is probably a better way to put it. Mm -hmm. um, the bill would ultimately remove marijuana from the list of federally controlled substances. So a hand clap for that. Oh, yeah. Um, snap, snap. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so states would be allowed to set their own marijuana policy, which we're starting to see already. Um, so basically, it's just continuously 
given the okay for states to be able to do that. Uh, it would require federal courts to expunge prior convictions for marijuana offenses, uh, which is a big yeah. deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a 5% tax on marijuana products would also be used to establish uh, somewhat of a trust fund for programs de- designed to help people who are disproportionately been impacted uh, by the war on drugs, mm-hmm. uh, which could include job training, uh, treatment for substances, those types of things. Um, the the MORE Act in itself needs framework, right? There isn't a legislation framework attached to it, uh, but it's a very good place to start in terms of building the framework for legislation. So the intentions are there, but it's not broken down into how to actually implement and achieve. Exactly. It's it's a starting place for this this larger conversation. Absolutely. But, you know, without without this starting place, maybe it wouldn't be a part of the conversation. Right. And so was super excited when it came down the pipeline and um, really excited to see what happens with it. And it may be a little while just because there's some other priorities within the industry, within hemp and safe banking, Mm -hmm. uh, which are really important things. But I think it's really going to set the tone for where we go forward for diversity and inclusion. So. Well, Lobby Days is coming up in May, and a lot of NCIA members are going to fly into D.C. with us and knock on some doors, and we'll be be talking about the MORE Act. Yeah. Excellent. Um, So, yeah, moving on a little bit, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the Northeast Cannabis Business Conference that just went down in Boston a little bit later, but uh, let's, let's dive even deeper into talking about social equity strategies in the cannabis industry what's happening that's working, what's not working, uh, what do you think our industry should be doing, what else should we be doing to address equity? Yeah, so I have a couple of points. The first one is that you know states are deriving their own versions of social equity programs, and you know some are, are better than others, uh, even though I just appreciate states saying, hey, we're even willing to explore what it means, right? Mm-hmm. So thank you, right? I'm not saying that to say that they should stop, but what I am saying is I think uh, what we're going to start seeing is a lot of states uh, borrow from other states and take the best of what's being done and what's happening. Uh, so that's really exciting. Um, what I'm seeing is an existing programs is a push for criminal justice reform. Um, nice, but some of them lack diversity and inclusion uh, Hmm. within what that model means, right? And so uh, it's a very different conversation to say, okay, um, let's not only decriminalize, but expunge people from having um, been impacted by the war on drugs, marijuana, cannabis in particular. Yeah. Um, But it's a different conversation when you say, all right, now let's start talking about ownership and, and jobs, within mm-hmm. the industry and what we're going to do to make sure that people have an equitable opportunity. Um, access to funding and sources yeah. is, is still a major problem for minorities, uh, even in established industries, right? Right, But even more so in the cannabis industry. Um, yeah. it's, and it's relatively new and evolving. And so it's creating those barriers in multiple ways, right? And so those licenses are not cheap. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they aren't. Um, and so, you know, what we're doing, you know, local municipalities in particular, right? They, they have autonomy to decide the license types and amounts in Michigan specifically that they're going to allow, right? Um, and they're becoming more sophisticated. A couple of examples would be Detroit most recently, uh, an article came out 
uh, and the mayor of Detroit is going to be speaking specifically to um, Detroiters owning a certain percentage of the license, no matter what. Right. Um, And then the other is uh, educational options. Right. So usually funded by federal government, the options that are there. Uh, so we need to make sure that we provide educational opportunities like higher learning institutions uh, in Pontiac where they're teaching specific skill sets so that people um, can participate in the market effectively. So uh, those are just a few things. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Thank you for that breakdown there. So uh, hoping to see more of these ideas woven into these state by state laws as they're as they're coming out. All right, uh, we're going to take our final commercial break, and then we'll be right back to chat with Chris Jackson, so stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on The Cutting Edge of Cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee, Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. Dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, wrapping up our discussion here with Chris Jackson from Sticky in Michigan. Um, We mentioned earlier you're on NCIA's Board of Directors. We are, as an organization, going into our 10th year as the, the National Cannabis Industry Association, which is wild. So um, we, it's a really fun thing to reflect on this 10-year milestone. What were you doing 10 years ago? Could you have imagined the cannabis industry would be and look and feel how it does today? And then also, if you could look into your crystal ball into the future, what do you see 10 years from now in 2030. Yeah, I absolutely couldn't have imagined (laughs) the cannabis industry being where it is. So 10 years ago, uh, I was 20 years old. Uh, I was in college. And um, I I would say 
and I thought about it. Drake and Drake and Kanye West were dropping arguably like their best albums, right? My <laughs> my my beautiful dark twisted fantasy was Kanye's album, and then thank me later for Drake. But the reason why I bring that up is because it really provided like an ability to be creative about how we approached life, right? Like those albums were creative and and, and allowed you to explore ways of going about doing things uh, that we may not have had as a society before. Um, it was during the Great Recession, I remember. I remember and, it. Oh, it was yeah, awful. yeah. So fortunate for me, I was in college, right? Um, like I had an <laughs> opportunity to find myself without being affected yeah. <laughs> or being forced to do something that, you know, I'm not passionate about, right? Yeah, and um, yep. I thought to myself, how many individuals ended up during that time frame, specifically incarcerated mm. during that period for lack of many, if any, options. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Right? I'm feeling that. Yes. Um, yes. Uh-huh. You, you know what I mean? Just individuals didn't have the same yep. opportunity that I had, right? To well, really people with it. a master's degree couldn't even get a job at Starbucks. Exactly right. Yeah. I'm totally yeah. getting what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So, so how many people ended up incarcerated for lack of options, right? And so, anyway, um, that was 10 years ago, though, for me. Um, as far as what I see happening, in the future, uh, maybe in the next 20, 10 years, next 10 years, not 20 years, next 10 years. Um, I, I think interstate commerce is going to be a pivotal part, significant part of the cannabis industry. Uh, it's happening as we speak. Um, states like Oregon are passing laws that would allow Oregon to become an export state. Uh, I believe that Colorado and California are in pursuit of the same type of law. And and really, this is before federal legalization, so long as the DOJ ultimately uh, doesn't have an issue with it, right? Mm. Or doesn't proactively say that we're going to have an issue with it. But the law is already going to be in place. And then you just think about import states uh, like New York, Connecticut, uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, that are all building laws collectively uh, mm-hmm. that may even allow interstate commerce between their borders. Yeah. Uh, and so shipping companies with a solid logistical process have a real opportunity, I think, in the next you know, five to 10 years to be prepared for interstate commerce. Yeah. The other thing that I'll mention is uh, the big box approach versus micro businesses. Uh, and so there's a license in Michigan called a micro business license, which allows you to basically do all in one um, extraction, cultivation and retail. Uh, and so I think that those will become kind of your mom and pop stores that you see throughout communities already, small retails. Um, and then you, I think inevitably once federal legalization happens, you're going to have large companies like your Walmarts of the world, probably that are going to say, Hey, uh, we already know the process. We can do the tax situation. Uh, allow us to go ahead and, and sell a very you know low grade product out of our store. Um, and so you're going to have this this big pharma Walmart phase that comes in at some point, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's really an opportunity for two paths there, right? You have an opportunity for pharmacy, which specifically in medical would. Uh, allow you to get behind the counter options. And then there's another pathway for dietary supplements uh, where you can buy it off of a shelf uh, without needing to be held to the same restrictions as whatever the big pharma 
is pushing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I do think that there's going to be a place for micro businesses. Uh, I don't think that everybody's going to get pushed out of the market, but that's why I believe branding is going to be more and more important. Makes sense. Absolutely. And, and both the mom and pops are, you know, those, those are just as important as having the, the larger established Absolutely. big box, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, we are running out of time here, but I do want to remind listeners that if you are an NCIA member, you get complimentary access to our Cannabis Caucus event series. Uh, it's eight cities throughout the month of March. Uh, tickets are complimentary for NCIA members, and we have a limited number of non-member tickets available. If you are not yet an NCIA member, head to our website, thecannabisindustry.org, and navigate to our events section to find uh, an event in a city near you or more than one city near you, whatever you like. And then, of course, keep, keep Lobby Days in mind, which is coming up in May in Washington, D.C., our 10th annual Cannabis Industry Lobby Days coming up in May for sure. Uh, you also are required to be an NCIA member to attend. Uh, I wanted to jump into your experiences at our Northeast Cannabis Business Conference, but we ran out of time. You did speak on a panel about diversity and inclusion, about strategy, so I'm glad we got a chance to cover some of that in this episode for those that didn't get a chance to see you in person. Uh, So thank you for participating, Chris. All good. Thank you. And I will be in Detroit and Chicago uh, for those Cannabis Caucus events, so please come out. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, meet meet Chris Jackson, new board member of NCIA at the caucuses in Chicago and Detroit. All right, thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.